some of my earliest memories of, of being in the kitchen and cooking were with my grandmother sitting on the counter making cookies with my grandmother. Chef Rob Mastown, a 2023 South Carolina Chef Ambassador, started his journey into the culinary arts, like most do, through fond memories from childhood. You know, adding the butter to the mixer, telling her that she didn't know what she was doing when I was like four or five, and she's 97 now, and she still loves to tell me those stories. Some I remember and some I don't, but food was always a huge part of our family. That precociousness evolved into something more as Rob grew up in Rock Hill. It's that attitude that would take him all over the world, refining his skills as a chef and entrepreneur. But something inspiring would bring him back to Rock Hill to start anew in a place that has had an interesting journey of its own. A lot of things that are going on around the world these days. I'm a firm believer that history will repeat itself if you're not talking about the good and the bad things that have happened in places. Discover South Carolina presents The Palmetto Porch, a podcast featuring the state's most charming places, some you may not have heard of. I'm Devin Whitmire. All season long, we'll hear locals share their unique experiences and passions and their perspectives on where they live. Lying just off the beaten path, these small town destinations are full of culture, fun, and adventure. I mean, so food has just always been really a comforting place in my life, I guess you would say. And then it's just kind of what I've always buried myself in. And that's exactly how I think I kind of got where I am, part of my work ethic and drive came from a young age when I needed to channel my energy and my mm -hmm. self-being and self-worth into, I ended up channeling it into food. When did you know that you wanted to be a chef? I was probably 17 or 18 when I really said, hey, I'm pretty good at this and realized that it wasn't just about being good at something, it was about having a passion for something. And mm -hmm. when I really realized that you know, you can change somebody's whole day with what you're able to do and accomplish on a dinner plate. You can have the worst day at the office or whatever your profession is, and you can come home or go out to dinner and have an awesome meal. And it just brings you right back into a great spot. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be high-end meal, but it, it, it's just great flavors, great service. I think that really kind of hit home and said, oh, this is what I really want to continue to dig into. When I'm hearing you speak about this, it makes me think of food as such a comfort, not just in times of, of grief or sadness, but also just a warm hug that you might want on a good day. What does comfort food look like to you? Well, man, comfort food to me is anything that brings you back to your childhood or your favorite things that you, you would eat growing up. Um, we ate my father loved like sloppy joes. Okay, that sounds weird, but um, literally he would like them out of the can. No, a sloppy joe is good. It's underappreciated. Listen, but here's the thing. We ate so many sloppy joes, it has crushed my adulthood for sloppy joes. <laughs> and, but I make sloppy joes from scratch and it's wonderful, 
right? It's about the bread that you put it on. It's about the time that it takes to that you stew the meat and like all the things that go into it rather than just popping a can open of sloppy joes, right? So meatloaf, just the little things. We do a meatloaf on the menu at counter for a few different reasons. One is kind of nostalgic, but we wrap ours with bacon. We do a steakhouse vinaigrette. We do a, a Yukon potato swirl and cilantro crema. But then one of the funnest parts we do to our meatloaf is we do a Funyun dust. And what we do is we literally crush up Funyuns, the potato chip Funyuns in a bag, and we crush them up and we sprinkle them on the plate for garnish. And it adds that little bit of crunch, a little bit of texture, and it adds that little bit of oniony, but it plays off the smokiness of the meatloaf. And it's really good. And people are like, well, where did you come up with like Funyun dust? I'm like, well, it's just playing with your food. There's no real rules to food anymore. It's it's all up to the chef's interpretation. That's Chef Rob, an artist in the truest sense. Who would think of using chips as garnish? Okay, maybe me making lunch for my kids. But let's go back a bit because Rob ended up leaving Rock Hill pretty early on in his career. And after losing both parents, he didn't feel like there was anything for him there at the time. He wound up in North Carolina. I was working for a company there and they said, hey, I've got a restaurant in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina that could use your touch. And they asked if I'd be interested in going and taking the executive chef position there. And I said, sure. I opened my first restaurant uh, called The Brazen Rabbit in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And um, that was one of the most exciting times of my life. He ended up making gourmet meals for high-ranking military officials. It was here that things got interesting. One day I was doing dinner over on Fort Bragg for one of the high brass on Bragg, and I think I was at General Reader's house, and I had General Reader, General Mulholland, some foreign dignitaries were over, and I went to do dinner for them. I've got Secret Service in the kitchen with me, making sure that I'm not putting anything silly in their food. I got <laughs> Afghan Army in the kitchen with me, making sure I'm not trying to poison the foreign dignitaries. I was the chef, I was the waiter, I was the maitre d', I was the whole thing. It was a hectic evening, but everything turned out great. And when the dinner was over, one of the guests turned to Chef Rob and said, We have a television show a syndication called 59 minutes and it's our version of iron chef over and it's syndicated from afghanistan and they said we've never had an american judge on the show how would you like to come and be a judge on our show and i just kind of like nodded and said yeah that'd be great just let me know so whatever and and then mr bayat he said you know general We've never had an American chef compete on our show. And he looked over at me and he asked me if I would like to be the first American chef to ever compete. Rob was skeptical. Call it lived experience, but he'd learned not to be too starry-eyed. But it actually came to fruition. Rob was whisked off first to Dubai and then to Kabul, and he made his appearance on the show in 2011. It's definitely a story that's worth its own podcast. But I wanted to know, how did this accomplished, globetrotting chef end up back in his hometown? 
So how did you get from there to then back to Rock Hill to counter? Like, how did that come to be? I had started to get professionally connected back to Rock Hill for a couple years. And I really realized that Rock Hill had so much more to offer than it did when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, there was no reason for me to stay in Rock Hill. But over the time, I got to connect with different people and different city leaders and people that were making decisions and watching what they were doing and how the city was growing. So, you know, one day I'd like to do something in Rock Hill. By then, Rob had his own company, Create Experiences. And one day, one of his business partners emailed him to come look at a location in Rock Hill. At first, Rob was nonchalant. But I came and I realized that there was a restaurant in the front of the same building that had been closed down for a few years at this point. When I came in, I realized that this was actually the spot where the Friendship Nine had the sit-in. And and so that's when some light bulbs started to go off. And I knew that like, hey, let's Mm -hmm. do something really cool in Rock Hill. In 1961, a group of young African-American men, the majority of them students at nearby Friendship College, staged a sit-in protest at McCrory's lunch counter. That lunch counter was in the same building Rob found himself standing in. McCrory's was segregated, The group was breaking the law back then, as unjust as those laws were. I'll let Rob tell you the rest. So immediately, they were stood up, put in handcuffs, and walked through the back of the building onto White Street, because that's where the jailhouse was um, in 1961. And they were given two options. They were given the option to pay a $100 fine and go on about their way. Or they were given the other option to do 30 days of hard labor on the chain gang. They decided that they were going to do the time. And that was them making that decision to do the time on the chain gang really changed the course of the sit-ins in the southeast. Um, And they coined the phrase jail, no bail. And what the jail, no bail movement did this is, is it essentially took the $100 that everybody would pay to go on about their way would continue to fund the city and the states. And what they did is they turned that around and they made the city and states pay to incarcerate them and feed them and bed them for those 30 days. So it actually cost them money. And Martin Luther King picked up on this. And then the other sit-ins started to pick up on this jail no bail movement. And it really turned it around to where it was, it cost the state a lot of money to incarcerate these gentlemen. And they became known as the Friendship Nine. Rob came up with the name Counter for his newest restaurant to honor the events that took place within the building's walls. As Rob started building and word began to spread about what was happening to the building, he understood there would be pushback. What happened in McCrory's ended up becoming a triumphant moment in the struggle for civil rights in America. But history often stirs up powerful emotions in people. That's exactly why Rob worked hard to preserve as much of that history as possible. It's a conversation that our staff has with the table or or the guests when they come because The counter downstairs was actually covered for many, many years. And when I was in the construction phase and the demo phase here, there was an old facade that covered up this counter. And when I kind of lifted and peeked under, I found that the original pink Formica top was there. 
So I brought a company in to do a special epoxy process, and I left the nail holes, the coffee stains, everything on top of that counter. Is still, you can see it right now. I sat down one afternoon with Mr. David Williamson, one of the surviving members of the Friendship Nine, and we sat down and we talked for about 45 minutes at that counter. The whole time that we're talking, he literally was rubbing his hand subconsciously on that countertop. He hadn't seen that countertop since then. And it wasn't glistening and shiny like it was back in the day. Thank you for preserving that. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, you know what's really cool is it's the only working lunch counter left in its original position in the country. Really? And there's there's other lunch counters that are in museums and, and in different places, but none that are actually functioning. We have the original stools that the gentlemen sat in. We have the original foot rail on the counter that they rested their feet on when they sat down. So it's a really cool dynamic that we've created. Counter, in Rob's own words, isn't fine dining. A lot of it sounds like fresh takes on comfort food, which, if you've been paying attention, is this chef's specialty. Can you tell us a little bit about the menu? Is there anything that guests constantly come in and talk about, or is there a favorite dish of yours that you love on the counter menu? Yeah, listen, we have so many dishes that people come back for. Um, our our smoking tuna poke is probably the number one seller on the menu. We do a fried rib here that's second to none. We do sliders. Our sliders are very different. We, we do, we call them cake stand sliders. And what we do is, again, going back to your comfort food, but you remember the rolls that your grandmother used to bake and you used to put them in the oven, little cluster rolls, and she'd pull them out like at the holidays. Mm-hmm. She'd butter them up and then you just pull them apart. So we serve our sliders on these cluster rolls and we, we grind our own beef and then we patty out our burger to one pound and then we top it with pork and bacon jam, tomatoes, and we put it on these cake stands on these big cluster rolls. But we go through the thrift stores or we go, when we were opening, I gave Alicia's aunt, she's on the road show, the antique road show. So she went and got us, every cake stand's different. Some are pink, some are blue, some are metal, some are laced. Some cost 200 bucks, some cost 20 bucks. And so when we hear one break, cause they do, then, you know, I'm like, oh, I hope that was the $20 one, not the $200 one. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm curious. As a Southern chef, can you tell us some of your holiday foods that you always cook, maybe in the home or at counter, that just really stand out to you? Yeah, so listen, our apple and cranberry crisp is like to die for. That you can find on our holiday menus for sure. Our Parmesan cream corn. We do a Parmesan cream corn on the daily menu, but it's also derived from my love of Thanksgiving and Christmas food. Green bean casserole is definitely a comfort. I mean, my roasted squash and cheddar. Um, that is wonderful. Pumpkin fondue is also a fun one to do. Pumpkin fondue? Pumpkin fondue? How does that work? We take uh, individual sized pumpkins and we'll core it, we'll hollow it, we'll roast it, and then we'll scrape off the pumpkin. Then we'll make a pumpkin cheese fondue and then we'll put it back in the pumpkin shell and we'll bake it off again for like another 40 minutes. And so then you literally are scooping out of a whole pumpkin. Oh my goodness. And it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Rob Massone, the wandering chef, found his way back to Rock Hill in a big way. And he did it while staying true to what he loves, food, family, and community. He also says becoming a chef ambassador has been an experience for which he is grateful. So I kind of want to wrap up with asking, where do you spend your downtime in Rock Hill? 
I like to just pin it with my friends. Mm -hmm. Yes, some are business owners, some are realtors, some are bartenders, but we all share a common goal that is that we love Rock Hill and we love what we're doing here. I just want to mention the ambassadorship for a quick second. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful program, the South Carolina Chef Ambassador ship and it's been an honor and a real privilege to to be able to serve as one of the three ambassadors for 2023. I have gotten to meet so many wonderful farmers that are so local to where I'm at. I really didn't know that Rock Hill and York County had so many farmers in on all different aspects of the coin, dairy farmers and cattle farmers and pig farmers and and vegetables and it's just so cool that I can call them friends now. And I've gotten to, when the farmer walks in, delivers your milk and your cream and your butter. And one day he's by himself, but another time he's with his daughter or his son or his wife drops it off. And you know that the money that you're spending is going to help their children get clothes and education and pay their mortgage and do the little things that you lose track of when you go to the big box store. You know, I went to college in Rock Hill at Winthrop University. Back then, there wasn't a lot in the city center to attract people. Not a lot of my classmates hung out there. On the weekends, they most likely piled into their cars or drove to bigger cities or even went home. I went back recently and I was impressed with how the town had changed. There's a thriving downtown now and it's no wonder Rob wanted to come back. That's kind of the usual story, isn't it? A person leaves town, the town changes, and the person changes too. And when a person goes back to the place they call home, something new and wonderful can come from it. That's it for this episode of the Palmetto Porch. Thank you to our guest, Chef Rob Massone. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend or leave us a review on your platform of choice really helps us to get the word out. And to learn more about the Friendship Nine, Rock Hill, or anything else you heard about on our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Samantha Durgy, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. We'll see you next time. Take care, y'all.